Hello, and welcome to the Graceful and Gritty podcast. My name is Sydney. I'm your host. I'm a wife, business owner, lifelong learner, and follower of Jesus. I was born and raised in Colorado and live here with my wonderful husband of six years. I'm passionate about people and have a knack for business. My hope is that we can learn together about doing life with grace and grit. We'll talk about all things life from faith and finance to business and balance. My prayer is that this will be a place of help, encouragement, honest conversation, and authentic growth. Thank you for joining me. Hi, friends. I hope that you have had a great week. I'm excited to be back with you all today. Um, We've been having some technical difficulties with the recordings cutting off, but um, we're going to try it again today. So hopefully we figured it out. It shouldn't be a problem moving forward, Um, but I'm excited to have you here. Today we're talking about habits, why they're important, how to create new ones effectively, and how um, good habits can solve a lot of other life problems that we sometimes feel. So I'm excited to jump into today's conversation. It's been something that I've been thinking about because I kind of found myself a couple months ago in a rut where I was just, it felt, I felt kind of stuck, discontent, spinning my wheels. And uh, so I was like, well, I've got to figure out something to kind of kickstart and get myself out of it. And so I'll get to share some of that with you today. Um, but update on the homestead, we've had the state fair in town. So we got to go to that and that was really fun. I didn't know that they took the, all the animals home the same day that they auctioned them. So what I really wanted to see was like the rabbits with the curly fur and the cute little piglets and all of that. But they had most of the barns cleaned up by the time we got there. So next year, I think we'll go a little bit earlier. Um, but we still had fun, you know, people watching and wandering around the fair. And we went over to the carnival and we didn't ride the rides because um, it's just rude to vomit on people. So I stay away from those rides. The last time I rode one was, um, I don't know, I was probably in college and that's that's the last time. I'll ride, I'll ride like, um, you know, if you go to Disney or Six Flags or like an amusement park, those rides aren't as bad for whatever reason, but those smaller, like shaky, spinny, very jerky rides, I just don't do very well with, but we still had a lot of fun, got to wander around, um, and experienced the state fair. So that was a lot of fun. And then we had a trip to the emergency room. My husband had some kind of allergic reaction to something that we don't know what, and it closed up his airways. And so he was having some trouble breathing. So we took him to the emergency room and the doctor was like, oh, well, if you just go back and wander around outside and see if it starts happening again, then maybe you can figure out what triggered it and, you know, just pay attention. You know, if it happens in your house, maybe you can pinpoint. And so we have no clue what the reaction was too, but he had one. So, um, that was quite the adventure because he was on his way to work one night. I mean, it was like 10 o'clock at night or something, 11 o'clock at night. And he was on his way to work and, uh, called me on the way there and he's like, Hey, taking a detour to the emergency room. I can't breathe. And I was like, what in the world? I was already in bed. So I got up, ran over there and, um, So we spent the night there the other night and that was not fun, but he's better now and we haven't had it flare up again. So who knows what it was, but hopefully it was a one-time deal. And then as far as the homestead goes, apparently I'm really good at growing strawberries. (laughs) So I've had a bunch of strawberries popping up over the last week or so. And so I'm really excited about that because the rest of my plants are kind of limping along, but not really doing great. And so, um, that's at least something I can be proud of is apparently I can grow some strawberries. So I'm excited about that. 
and uh, so that's what we've been up to lately. But um, I'm excited to jump into today's conversation. So we're talking about habits, and I'm going to give you like the technical definition of the word habit because that's how we usually start because it gives us um, a baseline for what we're saying when we mean words because. We live in a society where words don't always mean what they're intended to mean, and they can mean different things to different people in different contexts and different ways. And so starting with definitions is really helpful for us all to be on the same page and understanding the same thing. And that's part of communication is being able to clarify, like, this is the working foundation for what we're communicating here. So the technical definition of the word habit is a disposition or condition of the mind or body acquired by custom or a frequent repetition of the same act. Habit is that which is held or retained, the effect of custom or frequent repetition, um, which is a great definition. I think that from a technical standpoint, that covers it. From a working standpoint, my definition of habit is going to be the building blocks for our lives. And the reason for that is because habits, I don't know if you've ever heard the uh, quote, I couldn't tell you who said it, but I heard it and it stuck with me, is change your habits, change your life. And, you know, habits really are the building block for our life because they um, set how we determine what we're doing, when we're doing it, how we're doing it, and whether or not we're doing it at all. And so there's obviously all different kinds of habits. You've got good habits and bad habits. You've got eating habits and hygiene habits and sleep habits, work habits, all these different kinds of things. And really, our habits are the building blocks for our lives. So if our life isn't going the way we want or we're not getting out of it, we wouldn't get out of it or we're feeling just vaguely frustrated or stuck or tired or stressed or overwhelmed or discouraged, that's a really good time to evaluate your habits and just sit down and ask yourself some good questions because that'll help give you some good answers and kind of kickstart and point you in the right direction. So habits are important because they are the building blocks for our life. So if we see that we're building something that we don't like or we're not content with or isn't going the way we'd like to, personally, if we can go back to the building blocks of our lives and take out the ones that aren't helping us get to where we want to go and putting in the ones that are helping us to further our hopes and dreams and build the life that we want to live, then that's going to help us to be successful. And so that's our working definition of habit is going to be building blocks for our lives. And then the next thing that I want to cover is some built some habit facts because I'm just, I'm fascinated with habits because, um, I mean, I always have been, I read a book a long, long time ago about habit stacking and how it's a lot harder to learn a brand new habit and create a brand new path in your brain and do something consistently and, and systematically if you're starting from scratch. But if you can stack it onto a habit that you're already doing, then it makes it a lot easier to kickstart it because you're already halfway there. Um, and so that changed my life. It really did in the way that I viewed life and I viewed time and the way I viewed habits and those building blocks for the way that we put our lives together. And I kind of hit a wall a couple of months ago, like I was saying, where I was just kind of feeling stuck, where I was like, I'm just really tired all the time. I don't feel particularly motivated. I'm not really excited about anything. It was just kind of rote, right? Where I was going through the motions, the things were getting done and, um, you know, like I'm doing all the things, I'm living my life, but I just, I wasn't really excited and there wasn't things that I was really looking forward to. And there were things that I wanted to do, but that I wasn't doing. And then I was feeling kind of frustrated with it. And I sat down and I was just like, you know, 
we've got to evaluate this. We've got to figure this out. And it came down to there were some habits I needed to change because I felt like, you know, I'm working and I'm serving and I've got all these different things going on in my life, uh, you know, because we serve at the church and we help in the community and we've got stuff going on um, at home. You know, we've got, you know, chicks and eggs and chickens and rabbits and goats and Oh, the other thing that happened was our garage door fell off of its tracks the day we were supposed to go out of town for a getaway. And um, so then that got canceled, but hopefully we'll get <laughs> rescheduled. So, I mean, we, you know, life just gets filled up with things. So I was doing a lot of things that had to be done, but I was, wasn't having, making time for some of the things that I wanted to do and not necessarily just the things that I had to do or needed to get done. And so here are some facts about habits that will help us understand how they work, how we can change them, how we can build in the good ones, and how we can help reroute the bad ones. Fact number one, about 45 to 50% of what we do is habitual. And I had to read that a few times because, I mean, sometimes it's hard to hear data, but then it's easy to hear data, but then harder to disseminate it or like wrap your head around it. Almost half of what we do is out of habit which means we've learned how to do it, we we hit the learning curve, we figured it out, and now we just do it by rote. We don't think about it. Um, for example, tying your shoes, getting dressed, walking, driving, um, eating. Like those are things, speaking. Those are things that we all had to learn how to do, and now we just do them without even thinking about it. I don't have to think about getting dressed. Like when I'm getting dressed, I'm usually thinking about the day ahead or work or a challenge that I'm trying to solve or thinking about what I'm going to be doing that night or whatever it is. And so I don't have to think about getting dressed as I'm getting dressed. I just do it. I don't have to think about tying my shoes. I just tie my shoes usually while talking to my rabbit because I'm at eye level with her when I'm tying my shoes and she likes to sit in this box like right across from where I put my shoes on. So it's just, I usually talk to my rabbit when I'm tying my shoes, but I don't sit there and think about tying my shoes. When I go to get in my truck, I don't think about, okay, now I've got to put the key in here, turn it on, put it in reverse, back it out. Where's the drive? When it starts raining, I don't have to think about where the windshield wiper is. When I'm changing lanes, I don't have to think about where the blinker is. You know, you get into a new vehicle and you can't find anything and everything's in the opposite place and you try to, (laughs) you know, you try to put on your blinker and you start honking at somebody or, you know, you're trying to get your windshield wipers to work and instead there's like the seats are all moving to predetermined situations and you just find yourself like sinking down below the windshield. You know, weird things happen like that when we walk into situations where we don't have habits built. But statistically, 45 to 50% of everything that we do is built on habits. And so when I say that they're the building blocks of our lives, I genuinely mean they are the building blocks. Like this is really foundational for our lives. So that's the first fact. The second fact about habits is that habits help are designed to help your brain save energy because it automates familiar behaviors. Um, So your brain is designed to be able to sift through massive amounts of information and determine what's important, what you need to think about, what's not important. Breathing, for example. So Drew had to go to the emergency room because he couldn't breathe. His airways were closing. He was having some kind of allergic reaction. And all of a sudden he was having to think about every single breath that he was taking. And he was having to really work for it and pace it and calm himself down to be able to get those breaths in and out. And it was a really scary time. But if we're just normally going about our daily lives, we don't have to think about those habits. We just breathe. Like we don't have to think like, okay, breathe 
and I can feel my lungs all the way full. Okay, let it out and then give it a second to see if I can. We don't have to do that because it's foundational. Like we've, it's habit. And so it helps our brain save energy. That way it can tackle the important things. I don't know if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. But basically, there was this guy, and he kind of broke down what our our hierarchy of needs is. So he built a pyramid. It's very colorful. And it shows you it's got five levels. And it kind of just breaks down how are people wired the way that they're wired? What do they think about? What's most important in terms of priority and how to choose what we need to do and when we need to do it? And all of those different kinds of things. And so actually let me pull that up and I'm going to I'm going to read it to you because it's pretty interesting when you kind of break that down. So Maslow's premise was that we all have a hierarchy of needs and if our foundational needs aren't being met then we can't rise to start even thinking or processing the higher level needs. And so the first most basic level of needs is physiological. So we have to have air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, reproduction is in there. Basic survival needs, not just as an individual, but as a species. And so these are needs that animals have and plants have and um, bugs have. And so this is very basic. We we have to be able to breathe, right? Like Drew couldn't breathe. And so it caused an emergency reaction where we rushed him to the doctor to figure out why he couldn't breathe because that was, and we weren't thinking. So that was the same night that we have every month at, the, at work, we have end of month and we count all of our inventory and we record it to make sure that we've got the right amount coming in, going out. We settle all of our accounts, make sure all of our bills are paid. Um, and we finalize everything at the end of every month. And so it keeps everything on track. And actually, that's what he was on his way to work to do when and and it has to be done that night, especially if the next day is a weekday, because once we open up for sales, it starts a new month. And then if we don't have the numbers counted and everything in the system, then it's going to be skewed for the following month and it throws off um, labor percentages and food costs and percentages for profit and different things like that. So it's it's pretty important on the scale of like things that have to be done in a month. And that's where he was on his way to that night. And instead, he had to make a detour to run to the emergency room. And when he called me and said, Sydney, I'm on my way to the emergency room. I can't breathe. I didn't say, you know, I know that breathing is really important, but getting that inventory counted in the system is really, really important. So if you could do that first and then, you know, if you still can't breathe, then you can go to the emergency room after that, then then that would work out better. No, that was not my first response. That wasn't my first thought. That didn't even come into play till much further down the road once we'd figured out if like how to get him to breathe. And so physiologically, air, oxygen, being able to breathe is a very basic need. And so a lot of um, you know, psychologists and thought leaders and developmental scientists talk a lot about this hierarchy of needs. Because if if you're in a position where you're worried about whether or not you can put food on the table um, and make sure that your children are fed and make sure that you've got shelter and that you have a safe place to sleep, then you're not really going to be thinking about higher level things like, how can I change my habits and change my life? Right. And, but there's sometimes we get stuck in a rut where we get stuck in the physiological and we don't ever build past that. And there are seasons where maybe that's going to be right. Like we were in an emergency situation where that was our number one thought was like physiologically that need has to be met. We're not even thinking about anything else. Um, 
So then that's the first level. The second level is safety needs. So personal security, employment, resources, health, property. So once you've kind of settled and made sure that you're living and that you've got what you need to stay alive, then the next need on Maslow's hierarchy is for safety. So it's for personal safety. It's for job stability, um, resources, access to health care. Um, access to a place to call your own. And that's the second level of needs of like, okay, I need I need that. And if my physiological needs are met and I have air, water, food, shelter, sleep, clothing, then the next thing I'm going to be thinking about are those safety needs. The next level is love and belonging. So after, after safety is settled, then the next thing people look for or seek is love and belonging with friendship, intimacy, family, sense of connection. Um, who's your tribe? Who are your people? Who are you surrounded by? The next level is esteem. So once you've got that settled and you've got your people and you're, you've figured out who you're doing life with, then the next thing that we look for is respect, self-esteem, status, recognition, strength, and freedom. So we're moving more from physical concepts towards um, ethereal concepts. I don't know what the right word for that is right there, but we're going from something that's physical and tangible and moving towards things that are more based on thought and growth and um, leadership and a lot of things that we spend a lot of time talking about here. And then the the fifth level at the top of the pyramid on this Maslow's hierarchy is self-actualization. And that's this desire to become the most that one can be. And so the idea is that all these other four layers have to have their needs met before you're ever going to think about becoming the most that you can be. And so I think that it's an interesting way to look at life. And I think that when we get stuck in ruts, it's often because we get stuck on one of those pyramid levels that we don't even necessarily have to be stuck in. Um, and And I don't think it has to be a perfect scenario for you to be able to reach different levels of the pyramid because there's never going to be, everything's not going to be perfect in life, right? We're all going to have stressors and challenges and emergency and things that are going on. I mean, even if we you know, if we're starving, we're not really looking for friends. But if we've got that base level physiological needs being met, then a lot of times safety and love and belonging can work in tandem, right? Like we want to work at a job where we feel valued and honored and work well with the people around us. Like some of my best friends are the people that I work with, that I see day in and day out, that we just do life together because we're running in those same circles and life gets really busy. So it's hard to kind of come outside of those circles with other people sometimes. And that becomes your tribe. Those become your people so often because we're having shared experiences and doing long periods of life together. And so the the habits are building blocks for our life. 45 to 50% of them of what of of habits are or 45% to 50% of our actions are habitual and they help our brain save energy. And and the brain saves energy because it's looking for all of these different things on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And so the more things that we can do by habit or rote or automation, which is what our body does for us, it allows us to think bigger thoughts. It allows us to apply ourselves to other things. It gives us an opportunity. It's an opportunity cost because if we can drive without thinking about it, we can think about whatever else. If we can get dressed without thinking about it, our brain can spend the time using that for other things. And so 
It really helps us automate those familiar behaviors so that we can accomplish more and be more productive. And those are things that our body just naturally does. That's what it's built to do, uh, which is just really incredible when you think about it. And the design there is um, just the more I study people and psychology and life and the way we're wired, you can't help but look at it and know that there's a creator, that there is a designer, that he followed this intricate, beautiful, delicate blueprint to create humanity and and the world and everything that's in it. And it's really remarkable. But the third fact about habits is that repetition is more important than time spent. So a lot of times it's like, okay, if we think we spend a long time doing something, that that's going to help us build the habit faster. But in reality, repetition is more important than the time spent doing it. And the reason that's important is because sometimes when we want to change the building blocks of our lives or we're feeling stuck or in a rut or discouraged or like it just isn't really going the way we want it to go, that's daunting and that's overwhelming. And it just seems like sometimes we get more stuck because we don't know where to start. It's like... um the law that things at rest tend to stay at rest and things that have momentum tend to have momentum, right? So if it's moving, it's easy. If it Once you get it moving, it's easier to keep moving. But getting it moving in the first place can be really, really difficult. And that comes, you know, from mental blocks and fatigue and, and burnout and exhaustion and all these other kinds of things. So if we're in the middle of a burnout and fatigue and exhaustion, it's hard to wake up one morning and be like, oh, I'm going to build a new habit today. and I'm going to change my life. I'm going to switch out some of these building blocks here and it's just going to be great. <laughs> like, I don't know about you, but that's not how I'm wired. <laughs> And so um, it can seem really daunting. So this fact that repetition is more important than time spent should be a ray of light in the dark or at least um, a lifeline of hope. If you're in that season where you're like, okay, well, I'm just, this isn't it, but I'm kind of spinning my wheel. I'm running on the hamster wheel. I'm not really getting anywhere. Doing it is more important than, than the massive quantity of time doing it. And so you're like, okay, well, I want to move more. I want to get in shape. I want to exercise. I want to be healthy. But I don't feel like I have the energy to spend an hour at the gym a day. Like that just seems too much, right? Like I've got to be in gym clothes. I got to get there. I got to work out. Got to get dressed. Got to shower. Have to change into other clothes. I have to, you know, like it's a process. And so really, if you want to start working out and being healthy and getting into a new routine, get up and take a 10-minute walk in the morning or get up and take a 15-minute walk in the morning or get up and do 20 jumping jacks or it kind of goes back to that habit stacking where maybe you have to go outside. I have to walk my dogs in the morning and so, and then again at night. And one of the habits that I started stacking was as I'm walking the dogs, I'm going to run. So we've got some, some property. I'm going to run around the outskirts of the property first thing, like first thing in the morning. And if I'm just really, really, really not feeling it, then I'll do it at night when I've got the dogs out at night. And so either way, I'm taking a nice run it's not very long. It's not very strenuous, but it's getting me back in that habit of moving. And so I started doing that a couple months ago and I'm already starting to feel a lot better, a lot healthier. Uh, my outlook changes. And so that habit is really important. Repetition is more important than time spent. And the more I'm doing it, the more I want to do. And so it's getting easier to do it because I've started stacking on the habit of the dogs have to absolutely go out. So I already know that I'm going to be doing that every day anyway. So if you feel like it's too much to do, take off a big chunk, see if you can break it down because repetition really is more important than time spent. So you're like, okay, I want to eat healthier, but my brain just cannot handle the thought of having to plan meals. That seems just too big right now. Okay, so start with breakfast. Just go to the store, get a week's worth of 
oatmeal or yogurt and blueberries or, you know, something, granola bars, something that is fairly healthy, that is fairly easy, that you don't have to think about. And then just do that every morning. Like, okay, my my goals, goals to start eating healthier. I'm going to start with breakfast. And I've already got breakfast for this week. I don't even have to think about it. I'll go to the pantry, grab it, go to the fridge, grab it, whatever it is, it's ready to go. And so if you can, um, it's okay to cheat. <laughs> like it's, it's okay to cheat when you're trying to teach yourself new habits because, you know, people are like, oh, well, that's not, that's not really eating healthier. That's not really changing my lifestyle. And we get this complex because we make things so big and so complicated and so daunting that we don't even, we don't take the next step because we're just like, it's too overwhelming. And so really you can cheat, like cheating is good. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying cheating, like go out in the field and not take your run in the morning and then not take your run at night and just count the you taking the dogs out as your exercise. Not that kind of cheating, but setting yourself up to make get getting moving and getting those habits started easier is perfectly okay. As a matter of fact, I encourage it and you should do it. The next habit fact is that you can't think your way into a new habit. And I know that action starts in our mind, right? Action starts with a thought. We, we see something, we think about something, we hear an idea about something, we mull it over in our heads. It comes to us, we were like, hey, that's a really good idea. I should try that. And then eventually it turns into action, right? And then action turns into habit and then habit turns into the building blocks of our life. But if you stop at the thinking, you're never going to think your way into a new habit. And so you can think, oh, I should cut back on social media. Or, oh, I should cut back on shows or I should cut back on junk food or I should um, exercise more. I should eat healthier. I should spend more time praying or I should spend more time meditating or healthy, healthy habits, you know? You're never going to think your way into a new habit. And that goes back to repetition is more important than time spent. You thinking about it isn't going to be doing it. And so rather than spending 10 hours thinking about doing something, it's 100% better to spend 10 minutes actually doing something. Even if you're bumbling along, even if it's not great, even if it's not perfect, even if it's not wonderful, even if it's not everything that you want it to be. And so you can't think your way into a new habit. So if you're feeling stuck and overwhelmed and, and just in a rut and, and exhausted, you can't just think about changing it. You actually have to step into action. The next habit fact that I really like because it kind of goes hand in hand with all of this is that habits are context dependent. And let me unpack that a little bit. When I say habits are context dependent, it's this whole idea that our brain likes to automate familiar behaviors because it saves energy and it frees it up to do so many other things. And so we already know that it's like a it's like a it's like a computer system where it's learning and it's and it's growing and it's changing, it's taking in new information, it's applying it. It's the ultimate AI, our body, our brain, the way that our system works together in the world. And so we know that habits are our brain's way to save energy and that like half of what we do is out of habit that we just do it without thinking about it because our brain knows this is what the next step is like you go to the kitchen you're not like oh I gotta open the cabinet and grab the cup you're like hey I'm thirsty I'm gonna grab a cup of water you don't really think about the ice in the freezer and the cup in the cupboard you just automatically do those things because it's habit and so habits are context dependent because your brain tells you when I get up in the morning the first thing I'm going to do is X. So I don't know what your first thing in the morning, first thing in the morning habit is. For some people, it's they reach for their phone. For some people, it's get up and make a cup of coffee. For some people, it's get up and use the restroom. 
Uh, For some people, it's get up and meditate or whatever your first habit is, you wake up and the context is I'm waking up. What is my habit now? What is the first thing that I reach for? What is the first thing that I do? So you do that thing and then you you get dressed, right? And that's a habit, right? You've got to do your hair. You've got to do your teeth. you got to do your makeup. you got to get your clothes on. you got to get set for the day. you got to make sure you got your purse, your keys. You're walking out the door. Your habit is to turn off the my, – my habit is I walk out the front door. I lock – turn off the front porch light. I lock the door. I say hi to the goats and then I get in the truck and I drive out the driveway. That's a habit, right? Like there's a routine to how I walk out the door. And usually if that routine gets jangled somehow, then that's when, you know, I forget the book I was supposed to bring to somebody or the birthday gift that I've got sitting on my table or, um, you know, the note, the letter that I was supposed to drop off at the post office. Usually those things get forgotten because they're not part of our habit. And because it's not part of our daily routine, it tends to get forgotten or we get distracted by something else and head on out the door. And so it's really important to understand this about habits because if we're going to build new ones and get out of ruts and and put in those really good building blocks that we want to in our lives, then we have to understand the nature of habits and how they're built and how they're formed and how they work because then we can work with them and not against them to be successful. Again, cheat. <laughs> Understand these these life hacks to make it more simple to adopt healthier, better habits into your life. Habits are context dependent. And so when you come home from work, the first thing I do is I unlock the door. I turn the front porch light back on. I set my keys on the hallway table. I set my purse down. I take off my shoes. I go kiss my husband. And then I was getting really, really, really behind on laundry when I was kind of stuck in this rut. And so I was like, okay, well, I already know that after I kiss my husband, like this is my routine walking in the door. So I'm going to add in a new routine where the very next thing I do before I sit down or take a breath or, you know, just start winding down for the day is I'm just going to go either throw in a load of laundry to wash or fold a load of laundry. And, and I broke it down where it's like, okay, I had, there was too much to do all at one time. So on some days I'm going to dry the, like I'm always going to wash the laundry, but then on some days I'm going to fold it. One day I'm going to fold it and then one day I'm going to put it away. So I kind of broke it down to where I've only got one thing to do when I walk in the door. So it's like, okay, I walk in the door, do my routine, kiss my husband, and then I'm going to go fold that lo- load of laundry. I don't even have to put it away. If it sits on the couch for a day, that's okay. And so habits are context dependent, which is really important because of habit stacking, because it allows you to take what you're already doing, what your brain is already trained to do, what routines you already have in your life, and you just build a habit on top of it. And uh, so when I kind of realized that I was in this rut a couple months ago, there's all kinds of tools, and we've talked about some of them, and so I'm going to go into them just a little bit more in depth before we finish up today because it the tools are really what help us be successful. So we know what the definition is. We know the way that habits are wired, how they are wired, how we can build them, why they're built the way that they're built. And uh, so now that we know th- those things, here's some tools that help us to get better at the things that we want to do. So two months ago, I was feeling tired and stressed and overwhelmed. I wasn't really excited. It was feeling disorganized, a little bit stuck. Um, just exhausted. And there wasn't really any reason. It's not like there was any particular thing that was making me feel that way. I was just, you know, stuck. And uh, so I realized that I was spending a lot of time on things that I didn't really want to be spending time on. And it was crowding out all of the things that I did actually want to be spending time on. 
And because we just do things without thinking about it, that's how we get into this space where we're not spending time doing the things that are building our future or what we want our life to look like. We're just kind of going through the motions. And so um, there's all kinds of really cool tools out there. But the first tool in your tool bit is tool belt that I want to give you is that concept of habit stacking. And again, it's not uh, unique to me. I didn't come up with it. I read it in a book and it helped me tremendously. But when you can understand that you've already got habits built into your life, and if you can stack good habits on top of the habits that you're already doing, then it makes it much, much easier to execute. So for example, I've been taking my vitamins and I've been trying to take them every day because I notice that I feel better when I take my vitamins. And that's been, that's like a whole other the whole other conversation about figuring out which vitamins I need and work for me and help me. But I found a combination of vitamins that make me feel really good. They help me feel better. They help me focus. They help me not get migraines. I feel more energy. And so I've got vitamins that I like to take every day, but I was having some trouble remembering to take them. And so I realized that every morning as I'm getting dressed, I brush my teeth. And I decided that that was the habit that I was going to stack vitamins on. And so I was going to build a new habit where right after I brush my teeth, I'm going to drink a full thing of water and take my vitamins immediately afterwards. And I'm going to do that every single day. And now I do it pretty mostly without thinking about it. It's been a couple months, so it's still like they tell you it takes 21 days to build a habit. Um, I think that it can take longer. <laughs> but um pretty much every day now I habit stack where I finish brushing my teeth in the morning and then I might take my vitamins right away because then I've got them in my system. I've got the time. I've got the place. I'm ready to go and it gets done. Or I've been drawing a picture a day this summer. So I got to the at the beginning of the summer, I decided I wanted to draw a picture every day because I enjoyed drawing. It had been a really long time since I'd done it, but I just needed something that wasn't work, that wasn't production, that was just enjoyable, fun, stress-relieving, I have to concentrate on it because I'm not very good at it. And so it's just, it's, it's enjoyable and it, and it is helping me. And so I decided to habit stack. I make it a habit of doing my devotions where I sit down and I read a few chapters in the Bible and I pray and I have a conversation with God and I meditate on some verses and it just helps set the tone for my day. It gets me in the right mindset. It helps me focus on the right things. Um, and so I've habit stacked where I'm going to, when I'm sitting down and I'm doing my devotions is the same time that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to draw a picture every day. And when I, at first, when I started drawing, I didn't stack a habit. I was like, I'm just going to draw a picture a day. And, uh, it was really sporadic. It was hit intermittent. Like some days I'd be really good about it. And some days I just would go for days at a time where I wasn't drawing any pictures at all. And I was kind of getting frustrated because I was like, I really, but, but I want to draw a picture a day. I just, it's not getting done. And so then when I designated it, like, okay, this is a habit that I want to have. So I'm going to slide it right in with this daily habit of having my devotions. So either right before or right after I'm going to sit, I'm going to draw a picture and, and it made it now I'm drawing a picture nearly every single day. And so stacking that habit has helped me to do clear time and space to do something not just that I'm doing by rote or doing by not thinking about it or doing because it has to be done, but doing something that I want to do. And so the first tool in your toolkit is habit stack. Stack habits on top of the good ones that you already have that you don't think about that you do every single day. Another one of the habit stacking things, because remember we talked about how habits are context dependent? And 
I like to drink green tea. Green tea is really healthy. It's got a lot of health benefits. I enjoy it. And I've been cutting back on caffeine. I cut out sugar at the beginning of the year. I haven't been drinking sodas. And usually, like, I drink one coffee in the morning and then I like to drink something in the afternoon. So whether it's another coffee or a soda or whatever it is. And I didn't want to have that habit anymore because I'm cutting back. And so I decided I need to replace that habit with something similar but healthy. And so one of the things that I've started doing also with context dependent is when I get home from work, I walk in the door, I set my keys on the desk, I turn the light on for the night, I set my purse down, take off my shoes, kiss my husband, take care of the laundry. Then the next thing that I do is I've been making myself a cup of green tea. So it's replacing that afternoon soda or coffee and I'm going to have a cup of green tea instead, which I can do iced or hot or however I want to, I can add, you know, whatever, or I can change up the tea and So then I do that. And when I drink that, I'm signaling to my brain after that, I don't check on work stuff anymore. After that, after that cup of tea, it's context dependent. So first I'm replacing a bad habit with a better one. The second thing is it's context dependent. So I'm telling my brain like, okay, brain, after now, you do not need to be in work mode anymore. You're not going to check your messages. You're not going to check your Slack. You're not going to check your email you're going to wait to do that till tomorrow morning when you get back into the work mode. And it allows me to really, and now if it's an emergency, I've got my phone, they know to call because I do have to be somewhat available. But that habit has allowed me to step away from work. So I'm spending less busy time thinking or processing work when I'm not even going to do anything about it. Like if I get an email at night, I'm probably just going to read it and then mark it as unread, even if I have to do something about it the next day. And so stacking that, like replacing that habit where I'm teaching my brain like, okay, it's not time for soda. It's not time for caffeine. It's not time for coffee. It's time to start winding down. It's time for a cup of tea. And at this point, you are not going to be doing any more work things for the rest of the day unless it's an emergency. And so it's not just helping me from a physical habit perspective. It's helping me from a mental habit perspective where I'm able to set aside the stress of work. I'm able to disseminate calm down and really step into enjoying being at home and taking care of dishes or dinner or um, I've started baking again or taking care of the rabbits or the chickens or whatever else we've taking a walk or whatever it is that we've got going on. And so it's the this habit stacking has really helped me jump out of this rut that I was in. Um, so habit stacking is one. The next thing is understanding that our brain is context dependent. So setting triggers, right? Like when after I do the laundry, then the next step is that I'm going to trigger my brain. Like it's time to start unwinding and calming down and stepping out of that work mode. So you're going to have a cup of tea. And that trigger, that context trigger helps my brain know I'm stepping out of problem solving 100 miles an hour boss mode. And I'm moving into winding down for the day settling in, doing the things that I enjoy doing, and being fully present in my home time. So that's the second thing is context is really important. And you can set triggers for your brain that will help train it to build it, to be able to live in the system that you want it to build in. Um, The next thing is timers. You probably just heard a timer go off. (laughs) And if you did, that's one of my trigger timers because I'm really bad at eating and I forget to eat. And so this is my, hey, Sydney, this is your timer, your daily reminder that it's time for you to sit down and eat lunch. (laughs) So here in a minute, I'm going to eat lunch. Um, So that's the third tool that you can put in your toolkit. And the third one is apps. 
Most of us have smartphones. Most of us use our smartphones for everything under the sun. And they have apps that give you checklists to help build habits where it sends you reminders. It sets timers up for you. Um, there's a lot of different ones. And so I've got a an app that I use and I I made a list of all of the daily habits that I wanted to build in that I was stacking on top of other habits and it helps me keep track of how well I'm doing. And that's really, those things have helped me kind of get out of that rut, get motivated, do things that I'm excited about. Um, I'm doing things that I love and enjoy and get excited about every day. And, and that's pretty cool. And so it helped me be in a better mental space to be more motivated, not as tired, not as exhausted, not as overwhelmed because I'm telling my time where it's going and it's going to the things that I want it to be going, not just the time wasters or the time fillers or the busy work that we tend to get wrapped up in. And so, for example, um, I'm going to spend 10 minutes in the sunshine every day. So I've been going out and I've been sitting on my front porch, usually when I'm drinking my cup of tea. I'm just going to sit for 10 minutes and soak in the sunshine and just sit still and enjoy the calm and the quiet. And uh, it's really relaxing and refreshing. Another habit that I built in is to text or call one family member and one friend every day because sometimes we can get caught up in the busy and, you know, it's in passing. We don't really get to have any conversations and life's going at 100 miles an hour. And so I've intentionally made time where I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have a conversation. I'm either going to text or call a friend or a family. And so it's building those strong connections and it's making sure that I'm keeping those connections strong and I'm putting time where it's really important to spend, which is the people that I love and care about, my tribe, the people that I'm doing life with. Another one that I've had a lot of picture, fun with is I'm taking a picture. So not only am I drawing a picture every day, but I enjoy photography. And so I've been taking a picture every day. So whether it's a picture of eggs or coffee or sunset or my drawing or myself or my husband or my animals or something that I find interesting, I've been taking a picture a day and I really enjoy that. So I've been uh, drawing a picture, drinking tea. I also really love to read anything. I can get my hands on health books, sci sci science fiction books, fiction books, his history books, health. I mean, just help, self-help, all kinds of different things. If it's, I love to read. I've always loved to read. I've always been a voracious reader, but I kind of got out of the habit of it where it just, um, I was either reading no books at all or I was binging books. Like where I'd read this, you know, five book series in three days and I'd be going to sleep at like three o'clock in the morning. And I was like, girlfriend, you gotta get yourself under control. And so I've made it a habit where I'm reading a chapter a day. And uh, if I want to read more, I can, but at the very least, I'm going to read one chapter per day of any book of my choice. And, and I've been so much, I've been doing so many things that I love and enjoy and have fun doing. And so I'm spending a lot more time being fulfilled and excited and happy than stressed and overwhelmed and thinking about all the things that I've got going on. And so habits are really important because they are the building blocks for our life. And if we feel ourselves discontented or unsettled or stuck in a rut or overwhelmed or tired all the time for no reason, that's a really good time it, to, to check your habits and see if they're, they're the ones that you want and if they're helping you build the life that you dream of. Because so many times the life that we dream of isn't really based on money or location or um, anything else, it's based on how we're living the mundane because most life is built on the mundane. There's going to be more moments of just, again, 50% of what we do is rote. We don't even think about it. Um, but when we can 
find joy in that and we can enjoy the things that we're doing, then we're going to find that we've built a life that we enjoy and that we have fun doing. And then stack bigger habits. Like, okay, I want to go on a, on a date once a week or once a month with my husband, or I want to go somewhere that I've never gone, you know, try a new restaurant, try a new shop, take a different trail for hiking, whatever it is. Like those are things that you can start building in, but start with those little things because you'll see a lot of really good momentum get started really quickly and you realize you've got a lot more time in your day than you realize that you have. Thank you for tuning in to the Graceful and Gritty podcast. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or by email at gracefulandgritty at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.